Hello and welcome to the Informed Traveler podcast, part of the Informed Traveler radio show, which is heard each week on Chorus Radio. It's a travel podcast where our goal is to help you become a more informed traveler. And I'm your host, Randy Sharman. Have you ever gone on a trip or vacation by yourself? Well, in a few moments, we're going to talk about solo travel and business trips don't count because you're kind of forced to go by yourself sometimes. I'm talking about choosing to travel solo. Well, according to a blog on the My Travel BF website, you should travel solo at least once in your life. And we'll give you all the reasons in a few minutes. Plus, we're going to chat with the founder of Charmed Resorts located near Crow's Nest Pass in southern Alberta and learn the story behind their newly built cottages and find out what it's like to stay in a life-size playhouse. And later on, our good friend and regular guest to the podcast, travel writer Paula Worthington, will join us. It's been a long time since we talked with her, so we'll chat with Paula about her recent blog about some of the places she can't wait to travel back to again. But as I mentioned, we're going to start things out this week talking about solo travel. Have you ever gone on a vacation by yourself? Well, according to a blog on the My Travel BF website, you should travel solo at least once in your life just to experience it. Here to discuss it further are the curators of MyTravelBF.com, Mike Yunker and Becca Fernandez. Hello to the both of you. Hi. Hi there. Uh, Ten reasons to travel solo at least once in in your life. Have both of you traveled solo at least once in your life? Yeah, we both have. Um, I know we write the blog together. Um, We've written MyTravelBF together for about three years now, but we've both traveled solo sort of before that, at least once in our life, yep. more than once. Mm-hmm. Since we've um, actually started writing My Travel BS, we've uh, traveled separately, but not on our own, but it's something that we both still like to do and encourage others to do. Yeah, I guess, uh, you know, I think for some people, and I could think just uh, from my own experience, mostly when I was younger, though, if uh, if I had to travel by myself, I just wouldn't go. But as you get older, I think you uh, kind of relax those kind of fears. Is that what you found? Yeah, I think um, I think for a lot of people, it's just a scary prospect to travel alone. Obviously, if you travel with friends or a significant other or family, um, it makes it a lot easier because you know people. Um, but it, it also, if you travel solo, you're able to to meet people from the culture, learn a lot about yourself, and just really kind of get out of your comfort zone, which is sometimes the most difficult thing to do. Well, I don't know if we'll get to all 10 of them, but uh, number one on your list is you do learn a lot about yourself, and it is true. Uh, <laughs> maybe for good or for bad, I'm not quite sure. <laughs> yeah, I, I feel like, I don't know, at least in my experiencing experience, like traveling alone, I was able to like get like Mike said get uncomfortable and then also be like okay I can handle this by myself and you know even though it's a little awkward or or uncomfortable it it puts you in those like challenging positions and you're you're able to get through it. Yeah, you kind of have different challenges, right? The one thing you don't have to do is, uh, you know, go by someone else's uh, timeline or schedule. You can kind of do whatever you want, whenever you want, right? Absolutely. That was another one on our list is just be able to do what you want. Um, Because we know when you travel with other people, sometimes they want to see something or do something. And maybe you'd prefer to be somewhere else, but it feels weird, maybe uh, potentially breaking the group up. Um, So 
if you're by yourself, you can choose what you want to do and when you want to do it for the most part. So one of the times that I traveled solo and it kind of goes with this point and the like therapeutic point is, um, you know, I was in like a pretty toxic relationship and then just leaving and going to travel. You're like, whoa, I, you know, don't have to rely on this person or, you know, I can do some things on my own. It, it just like helped me like get through that process. You know, mm-hmm. It's empowering. Yeah, empowering. That's a good word. Yeah, and and you're also, I don't know how to use the word force, but you're kind of forced to do things you probably wouldn't do if you're with someone else. Like, as you mentioned in your top 10 list, meet more people. You kind of have to ask questions to get around or do things. Uh, Am I correct on that? Absolutely. And I think one of the things, too, with that was aside from just, like, asking people for, you know, directions or where to go, but, like, if you stay, say, in a hostel and you go with a couple of your best friends, you're probably going to talk to them and hang out with them. Maybe you'll meet some other people, but if you're there by yourself Mm -hmm. and you want to socialize in the common area or at a bar or anywhere else, you're going to have to talk to other people. So it's definitely stepping outside of the comfort zone for most people, but it's a great way to meet people from all over the world and really have a more authentic travel experience where you're getting to know maybe what locals do or where they go instead of just a list you might find online. Uh, yeah, so you get to learn a lot about yourself. It's fun. You can learn, uh, uh, you know, different languages, therapeutic. Anything that uh, might be not on this list that you might have added uh, later on? Um, I would just, I'm just going to talk a little bit too. I know Becca mentioned being in sort of a, a toxic relationship at one time. Um, before we had met, I was in the same place um, and then coupled with a job I just wasn't super passionate about. Um, and I found myself in a place where it was just sort of the right time to travel solo. And it was definitely scary. I actually moved to Spain to teach English and I stayed there for two years, moved by myself. And then in a way was sort of forced to meet a lot of people, both other English teachers, as well as locals that I, and I had no idea, um, of anyone else before I got there, but it's definitely scary. Um, but being outside of your comfort zone is okay. And it also expands your comfort zone once you realize that you're able to do those things just as it is with almost learning any other skill it's challenging at first but eventually you're able to to sort of master that i guess you could say in a way and then Mm -hmm. you realize you can't do more the the benefits uh far outweigh the uh the non-benefits i would think right Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, Mike Yunker and Becca Fernandez are founders of MyTravelBF.com. There's lots of uh, other blogs and articles on there, including 10 Reasons to Travel Solo at least once in your life. Try it, right? Absolutely. <laughs> Thanks, Mike and Becca. It was fun chatting with you. You're welcome. Thank Thanks you. for having us on. Well, located near Crow's Nest Pass in southern Alberta is a place called Charmed Resorts, and the idea behind it comes from the building of children's playhouses. So how do you go from making playhouses to life-size fantasy cottages people can stay in? Well, let's find out from the founder. He's Tyson Levitt, and he joins us now to tell the story behind Charmed Resorts. The website is charmedfamilyresorts.com. Hi, Tyson. 
Hey, how's it going, Randy? It's going very well, thank you. Uh, you must be a pretty busy, busy guy getting uh, getting the Charmed Resorts all uh, set up and running. But tell me uh, a little bit uh, of the story behind Charmed Resorts. You know, I, I would say that our journey has been accidental in that I maybe part of it is being naive and part of it having no clue where my life is going to direct me. But it, it started uh, around six years ago. I, I had had a landscape company for years where I was building uh, elaborate backyards for, for families. And quite often I would be building cool places for mom and dad to be able to go sit by the fire or to use the pizza oven or do whatever, you know, for, for their entertainment. Mm-hmm. But we weren't really doing cool stuff for kids. And in my mind, the yard is used mostly by the kids in, in my family. And so I decided to build a tree house uh, and put it in our local home or garden show just to show, you know, what we could do for kids as mm. a landscaper. Yeah. And, you know, I, I had no clue how well that would resonate with people because people were stopping in their tracks and visiting our, our booth and they got really excited about it. So over the coming year, that idea of doing playhouses and tree houses kind of percolated in my mind. And I, I had sold a couple of tree houses and playhouses. And one of the clients asked me if I could build a Rapunzel cottage. And uh, I had no clue how to build a Rapunzel <laughs> a tower and cottage. But I said, you know what, I'll sure give it a try. So I sketched <laughs> something up, and I sent it over to them, and they said, well, you can build it if you want, but we're not going to guarantee it by it, you know, because you don't really know what you're doing. So I, I decided to build it. I put it in the Home and Garden Show the year following, and when they walked up and saw it, they said, how can I not buy it? And they bought the, the pair of them that I had set up at the Home and Garden Show. And uh, we had all sorts of people who were just stopping. Like, I mean, we're in Lethbridge, right? So it's a yeah. bar community. And people would stop, their jaws would drop, and they would say, what on earth is this, and why on earth would you build it here in Lethbridge? <laughs> like, who's going to buy this? And fortunately enough, I was able to say, well, this one's already sold, right? So yeah, I was like, yeah. you know, th- there's a reason why I built it. Someone bought it already. Yeah. And um, it was, so, so I had set up a place for people to take pictures to be able to win a doghouse and people were putting it on social media and it took off on social media immediately. And I was able to get in front of a producer at TLC uh, by the name of Andrew Strauser. And he immediately messaged me on Facebook and was like, Hey, you know, like, what is this? This is cool. And I was like, yeah, maybe they want one on one of their shows. Well, and Andrew wanted to produce a TV show about us. So with, within the first six months, we had signed up, we had a TV show, and we were flying all over North America, setting up playhouses for Stephen Curry and Allie Landry and Alana De La Garza and Ryan Zimmerman, like celebrities and athletes uh-huh. uh, for our TV show. And it, it was like this, this surreal experience for a, a blue-collar worker who grew up in a farming community. And it, that, was, that was all great. But one of the things that I continually felt like I was missing in my company was the accessibility for the masses. Uh, obviously, my product is, is a very high-end niche mm-hmm. product that, you know, very few people can afford to buy. I mean, I build them myself, and I can't afford to have the types of playhouses I'm building in my, in my yard. And so 
the the idea of trying to reach out to people kind of developed and developed. I tried different things that you know didn't really work for us, and eventually, when COVID came around, I the idea just really started to stick. Like you know, I need to build a place that people can come and enjoy our product because we just we just kept having so many people saying, how can we experience it? You know, do you have a park? Do you have a play space? Do you have somewhere? Mm-hmm. So when COVID came around, it gave me time to think, and, and we decided to put into action and to, to build the cottage and find a location. Uh, we launched it July, I believe it was like July 31st, and within five days, we had had our summer booked up and we were booked into September and into October. Oh, wow. And, uh, it, you know, people started coming and we were getting just great reviews about people really enjoying staying in these, these fantasy cottages. And so we took that, that experience from, from that in the last year and we, we built another cottage and we have more cottages coming and, uh, we, we are launching Charmed Resorts, so it's 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 been exciting. I mean, in the last couple of weeks, we've we've pretty much booked up the two cottages that we already have, and so now we're gonna we're gonna drop a few more so that uh, people can book those. How long does it take to build one of these? Like you see, you dropped drop a few more. It makes it sound like you can put these up in in no time. But I'm looking on your website, CharmedFamilyResorts.com, and, and so people can go there to get a visual. These are amazing. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, you know what? Each one is different. The first two that we built are they they sleep five or six people, so and, and they're pretty they're pretty elaborate. Uh, our next next couple that we haven't even told anyone yet, but we'll tell you, is we're, we're going to be dropping the Elven Glade. So these are like elvish houses <laughs> that uh, are set in the mountains and are going to be really elaborate they're they're smaller cottages so families of anywhere from two to four maybe five people can stay in them Mm -hmm. uh so those are the next ones we're going to build and they're kind of they're kind of like a cross between what you'd imagine an elf to live in slash a hobbit uh so they're really cool woodwork in them you know round doors on some of them and uh, intricate beam work inside and they're going to be pretty special. So what's included when you when you go to stay at a charmed resort? What's included and and what are some of the activities that are offered? Like do people get dressed up in in the in for example, elf costumes if they want to and, and really immerse themselves in the fantasy? Yeah, it's a great question. So everybody's different who comes to us. Our our company is a little different in that we want people's experience when they come. We want them to connect with Earth again. We want them to connect with their family. We don't want them sitting on electronics and, you know, watching TV and mm-hmm. doing those types of things when they're with us. Mm-hmm. We really want them to be immersed in, like, hey, I just stepped through the gates and I'm in this old, enchanted village, right? And so we want people to go have fires together and to go cook s'mores or we want them to go fire up the wood-fired hot tub and enjoy that together or to go through the pass in the in the forest and explore and find the little fairy houses or 
the other little special characters that we kind of hide throughout the forest. So it, it really becomes a place where you're just not in the regular world anymore. Mm-hmm. It's now you're in a fantasy world. And it, it, I don't know if you've heard of like the cottage core movement, which is getting back to the basics. Mm-hmm. That's what we want people to do when they come to stay with us. But, but while they do it, being very comfortable. Well, it sounds like a, a fabulous concept. Tyson Levitt is the founder of Charmed Resorts. You can uh, find lots of information on their website, Charmed Family Resorts. Dot com. Uh, appreciate your time, uh, Tyson. Thank you. Yeah, you bet. Well, it's been a long time since we talked with one of our regular guests and good friend travel writer, Paula Worthington. And like many of us, Paula hasn't been traveling much these days. And like many of us, she's been dreaming of heading back to some of the places she's visited in the past. She recently wrote about it in her blog, Five Places I Can't Wait to Travel Back to Again. You can find it on her website, wanderswild.com. And Paula's here now to share what those places are. Hi, Paula. Hi, Randy. It's been a long time. I know. Uh, it's, <laughs> we've all been kind of sitting, waiting for the opportunity to go places. But five places I can't wait to get back to visit is the title. Uh, interesting you talk about uh, places you'd like to return to versus new places you haven't been to. Is, is there a reason for that? Is just familiarity? or? Well, I feel like in some ways there's, there's uh, places that over the past year I just keep thinking about constantly. And, you know, when when the temperatures drop or you get bad weather and, and, you know, as much as we miss it all and, you know, we're following the guidelines and doing the right thing. But there's certain places that that I had fallen in love with and that I, I just feel like I, I when I dream about travel and a lot of us are actually dreaming about travel these days. Um, these are these are the places that I think about and go back to. And, and the first one I wanted to talk about um, I feel like it's almost a bit of unfinished business. It was one of the very last trips I took last year. It was in uh, towards the end of February um, 2020, and I was in the Baja, California, um, staying uh, north of Los Cabos in Todos Santos, and there's a place called Los Colibris. And these really small casitas perched up high on the hill, you can see tons and tons of whales in the oceans. It's really quiet. It's really serene. And my uh, daydreams have floated back there many times. Um, and, it, and, and I was only there for a couple of days. And so it's really a place where I would love to go back and, and just uh, park myself in the sun and explore and spend um, a little bit of time getting to know that area when it's, uh, when it's safe and time to do so. Yeah, I think everyone can relate to that, uh, places that they've been and they can dream about because it is familiar to some degree. And so I think people can can relate to that kind of dreaming. Uh, what are uh, some of the other particular places? Is there any particular order? Or is it just sort of how do you, you know how you start daydreaming and oh yeah, this would be nice. <laughs> a random list. It depends on the day. Um, as you know, I've been to Ireland a couple times, and so uh, you know my head goes there too. Um, you may recall a couple of years ago, I stayed in one of the bubble domes in mm. Northern Ireland in the forest. And, and that kind of environment really appeals to me. I think some people are craving going back to when we can the world's big and great cities. And, and I tend to think about 
and you know my style is is finding a little bit more off the beaten path places mm-hmm. and uh, and that place was called Finlock F I N N L O U G H just like it sounds not quite um, and and it's a it's a fantastic little place uh, kind of smack dab in the middle of Northern Ireland and you can literally sleep under the stars um, in a in a kind of plastic bubble dome so of course if you if you get the lovely irish weather and it starts to rain a bit you're completely dry completely (laughs) comfortable and uh, and they're really well appointed and really beautiful um closer to home i uh i think about Tofino a lot on the west coast of vancouver island um and of course pacific rim national reserve and uh and all those beautiful little spots up and down the coast of of the west coast of vancouver island um, I don't know the last time I had a really good beach taco. So, so I think about that a lot <laughs> as well. Um, and of course, whether, whether you're saying, you know, camping, um, we know RVing has become really popular all the way up to, you know, the incredible accommodations there at places like the Wicked Inn, which are just absolutely spectacular. And I think it'll be really important to support those places too, when, when we can um, get out and roam again and travel and, and making sure that, that we're supporting all, you know, the, the vast number of people that are employed in this industry and, uh, and help them get back on their feet again. Mm-hmm. The places you're talking about are places I want to go now. Uh, I've heard so much about Tofino, mostly through your uh, articles and through uh, Baja California. So they're on my list, but I've never been. So you're kind of doing that to me now. He's like, oh, I want to go now. <laughs> what about places that you haven't been that uh, are kind of on your list? Um, well, there's, there's all, the list is always long, as you know. Um, you know, knowing that how much I love Ireland, I've never been to Scotland. Um, so that really appeals to me as well, um, to, to learn about the history. And, of course, there's so many spectacular uh, natural sites there. And, and, and as you know, I've been to Europe several times, but I've never done a river cruise there. And I think that would be an amazing way to experience and see it, um, you know, again, once, once these types of things are up and running again. So those are generally the, the big places. And then, of course, you know, um, exploring different parts of, of Africa or uh, lesser known places like the Faroe Islands. Those all appeal to me. And, and I think part of the silver lining of all of this, of staying at home, is it gives you a little bit of that time to daydream and think about the places that you've loved and where you've created some of those great memories. Mm-hmm. But it gives you time to indulge in, in learning and researching about other places and, and, you know, maybe uncovering some destinations that um, you didn't know about before. So I've been trying to use some of that time to, to really think about uh, what are the kinds of places I want to visit um, you know, how can we all be better travelers, too? I think that's an important thing to think about and reflect on as we hopefully emerge from this pandemic soon. And, uh, and of course, how we can support the industry. I never took you for a river cruise type of a person. <laughs> <laughs> maybe, maybe the pandemic has changed me. Who knows? Well, we are lucky, uh, especially where we live. Is, and, and we saw a lot of it during the summer. Uh, and the warmer months is that we can take advantage of the parks and the and the national parks, the provincial parks, and some of the uh, outdoor activities, and don't have to go very far, do we? No, I mean there's there's 48 national parks uh, across the country, and you know we know of some of them, of course, and some of them get very busy and very crowded. But I think even even the parks that do get really busy, there's these little pockets that are lesser known and and much quieter or 
experiencing them in a different season. So I, I live near Banff National Park, and um, just last weekend I put on my skis and went up the Moraine Lake Road, which of course is closed in the in the winter, but it's a very very popular place in the summer. But you can go and and get partway into the lake and and you're the only people there. And so that, that's kind of magical, too, to go and visit some of these places and, and uh, support the national parks. And then, of course, there's hundreds and hundreds of, I don't even know how many provincial parks across the country. Um, and, and it's great, you know, talk, talk to your friends and neighbours and find out what they've discovered. And, um, you know, there's an easy way to, to, of course, there's spectacular destinations that people know and love within those parks, but there's so many great little corners and and um smaller destinations and smaller parks that are just fantastic to visit and are such a great education about our country as well. One of the things that our uh, travel agent agent friends say is that you can kind of dream and, and you can sort of do a mock booking, right? Um, if you're not familiar with a place, uh, you can phone someone up and say, hey, I would like to do this. Let's just pretend, right? <laughs> you don't have to pl- it's like using play money or whatever. And, and they can kind of walk you through some of the places and this is what it would be. Uh, is that kind of the process? Have you, have you done that process yet uh, on the way that you kind of uh, organize trips? Uh, I haven't done that yet. It's a great idea, though. It's a great way to think about what kind of itinerary would you want to put together and, and, you know, maybe shortlisting like I have shortlisting some of these destinations that you want to visit or places that you'd like to go back to. I think, I think that there's going to be a combination of, you know, people like me who have these places they've been to and they can't wait and go back and, and experiencing them again, as well as on the other side, of course, going out and, and visiting new places and, um, it'll be interesting to see, you know, how and when we can make all that happen. But I, I think that idea about trying out different itineraries and thinking about different activities, um, we do have the luxury of time right now. And so it's it's a great way to start to get excited. And I think for a lot of people who've maybe been feeling really down about the pandemic, too, it's a, it's a really fun way to to work with an agent plan an itinerary, even if there's no date attached to it yet, but you can stick it on the fridge and it can be something that you can think about and look forward to. For sure. It's always fun to dream. Uh, Paula Worthington is a travel writer blogger. You can find all her stories on wanderswild.com. Uh, it was, uh, it's always fun to chat with you, Paula. Thanks for checking in. Thanks, Randy. Take good care. And that is this week's Informed Traveler podcast. Remember, this is the podcast version of the Informed Traveler radio show heard each week on Chorus Radio. You can find more information on the show at our website at theinformedtraveler.ca. So thanks for listening. If you like what you hear, let us know. Leave us a review. Tell a friend. And if you want to drop me a line, my email is randy at theinformedtraveler.ca. You can also like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash informedtraveler. Or you can follow me on Twitter at informedtraveler.com.